And uh, we're back for another episode of the Gratitude in Grit podcast hosted by Nick Prohaska and Brad Hokinson. On this week's episode, we're going to dive down the rabbit hole of nutrition with Christine. So got finally got Christine on her very first podcast. So thanks for joining us. You're welcome. And uh, we've put together a few notes to talk about eight simple principles for better nutrition. So maybe talk for just a brief second about kind of your nutritional background and, and you've been doing this for a long time. So you've coached people on nutrition a little bit through that journey. Any overall thoughts on just kind of uh, the common things that kind of come up with that or, you know, your background with nutrition? Definitely. Uh, my background is in exercise science and I've been coaching um, more than the nutrition side of things. However, I think the two go hand in hand when people are trying to make lifestyle changes. Both of those things usually come up, whether it's I want to change my diet first and then exercise comes along for the ride or vice versa. So I think more often than not in the last five years since Nick and I have owned the gym, people will come to me and say, hey, can you just take a look at my diet journal and see if you can make any suggestions on what to do better or does this look good or am I on track or here's what I've been trying to change. Can you keep me accountable for that? So I, uh, when you asked me to do this, I put together a few of the best choices that I think have helped people along the way the most in the last five years or so since we've opened the gym. And is it very helpful for people when they go to ask you a nutritional question that they have some sense of how they are actually eating? And so you reference a journal in there. And so if somebody's going to come talk to you out of the gym here in the next few weeks after they listen to this episode, um, definitely want them to have a sense on how many times they're eating, if they have a sense of the calories that they're eating a day, but definitely the types of food and, and what they're eating. I think some type of baseline quantitative measurements are good, whether that's uh, body fat or circumference, a three, five month long journal, something that, like I said, is quantitative because people feel a certain way from day to day. I feel good. I feel bloated. I feel bad that I haven't been on track, but it's nice to put measurements two things so that we can track it and actually see what's happening from that standpoint, not necessarily how you're feeling, although we want you to feel good, good. right? But but let's put some, some hard numbers to it. Okay. Yeah. So if you're going to reach out to Christine over the next few weeks, or if one of the focus groups focuses on nutrition, then uh, maybe start your journal now and keep track of it. So we talked about uh, nutrition a little bit in one of the first couple episodes, and it was just a simple point and definitely referencing the CrossFit mantra of eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some starch, or I'm sorry, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. Keep intake to levels that will support exercise, but not body fat. And so that will kind of resonate a little bit over the next eight principles that we talk about uh, so we'll go ahead and get started with number one, which is drink more water. Yeah, plain and simple. And this is an easy one to evaluate as well. If you're doing a journal, just uh, take down water intake. And, and that could include any beverage intake so that you have an awareness of what that is. Because obviously some beverages might dehydrate you more than others, you know, if the caffeine is in excess. And uh, the baseline that I tell people to start with is take your body weight, your current body weight, and divide that in half. 
and that's a baseline for the amount of ounces you would need in water. So 150 pound person, divide that by two, 75 ounces a day is minimum of what we would want to be intaking for water consumption. And I would encourage athletes to then evaluate whether they need more than that dependent upon activity. And activity doesn't mean just are they doing hard workouts in the gym. We have members that have active professional lives as well. Uh, You know, nurses that are on their feet maybe 10 to 12 hours a day versus someone that's sitting at a desk and doing their three to five workouts a week. So they might need more than that, right? Yeah, that's a good point. And then that's definitely, you mentioned it uh, could be other beverages as well, but mainly from a nutritional standpoint, would you recommend people to focus pretty much solely on water, tea, or coffee? I like those, yes. Smoothies are great too as well. But yeah, and when you're thinking about things that would dehydrate your body, excessive caffeine or excessive alcohol, and then you would need to, again, increase your water take beyond that half your body weight in ounces. Hopefully we can go this whole episode without talking about alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't on the list, so we'll go from there. Um, number two is, uh, I like this one. This is yeah. an 80-20 rule uh, kind of for the quality of food. Mm-hmm. So why don't you expound on that one? Yeah, I just, I, I think it's really hard for people when they they come to you and they, they probably do need to make a multitude of changes, right? And that gets very overwhelming. Sometimes it's it's too overwhelming and then you, you can't do it. So... I have been telling people to try and adapt an 80-20 rule. And this is just one example of it when we talked about the, the, the meals for the week. So 80% of the time, your food and beverage should be of a high quality, not processed or packaged source. And 20% of the time, allow for the other, whether it's a birthday party out with friends and you know that you want to do that and that's okay. So I just did simple math on three meals a day, 21 meals a week. We're looking at, you know, 16 and a half to 17 meals and beverages that need to be of high quality and ideally not the processed and packaged foods. And I think if you can wrap your mind around something like that, it seems pretty palatable for you to do consistently week after week. Right. And you know, in the, if you just listen to a lot of the stuff, you'll hear the context that you can never outwork a bad diet. Mm. Um, and so I think that's where this kind of falls into play a little bit. You know, if you have 16 or 17 high quality meals, well, we don't want the other three or four meals to be total binge either. That's a good point. So it's not four pizzas and a 12 pack type of thing. Yeah. Yes. You might eat some birthday cake or you might eat, um, you know, just a little bit more finger foods or maybe mm-hmm. some fried foods because you're at a party or an event or we got a Chiefs game coming up. Mm-hmm. So you might do that, but it's also not just to have a total binge fest where you're going to consume, you know, 4,000 calories in one day, which I, you're, you're going to destroy everything that you just did for those other 17 great meals. I agree with that. And uh, I am hoping that if people try this 80-20, maybe that will eliminate the need for that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's going to it's gonna help the habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as you start eating a little bit better, uh, then it's going to be more successful. And I think probably most people do very well during the week. It's as yeah. they get close to the weekend. So, you know, try and carry that plan into the weekend and really think about your weekend foods. But 
once uh, activity start with kids and you start running around Saturday morning at nine o'clock and you mm-hmm. don't start to Saturday night at nine o'clock and you hit quit trip three or four times and McDonald's or whatever else it is, it's, it's hard to stay disciplined that way, but you got to stay on that journey. Do you find too, and I know this is true for our very large household, if we are meal prepping for a week, it might not last a true week. It might go into Wednesday or Thursday. And then like you talked about just now, getting into the weekend, there isn't necessarily a plan. And when there isn't maybe a plan in place, that is when the other behavior creeps in. It could, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be bad food, but it's more spontaneous, Yeah, which could lend to, you know, those choices. Yeah. I just feel like it's very important to be conscious about what you're going to eat. So like on a Saturday or Sunday, if you're you're going to probably eat out once or twice of that, maybe mm-hmm. depending on where your journey is, but you can obviously, um, do a better job of planning that. Mm-hmm. It's always avoiding the, okay, activity just got done at five fifteen. We got 30 minutes. Let's go eat. What are we going to eat? Mm-hmm. Let's just go with the least common denominator. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to McDonald's or something like that. Sure. Whereas if you maybe planned a sandwich place or mm-hmm. playing something like Jason's Deli and you go get the salad bar or whatever. Absolutely. So just trying to be a little bit more conscious about it. Um, it's it's a challenge, especially for us parents to stay on that path. But uh, yeah. So we'll move on to a good segue into number three, eat whole foods. Eat whole foods. What are whole foods? <laughs> D- does real, anybody know anymore? <laughs> real food. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, w- foods that have less ingredients overall, right? Uh, it's just foods that are close to their natural state. So not the packaged and the processed bunch of color, you know, yep. words that you can't understand in the ingredient lines. And uh, that will definitely help you improve your overall health uh, performance at the gym, if that's something that you're interested in, and uh, as important as helping prevent disease even, right? So I think it would be important to note just ways that you can look at this, this versus that, eating this versus that, and we've got a couple of those written down. So this versus that would be uh, various vegetables and fruits instead of the supplements that contain those vitamins and minerals. For example, fiber. Vegetables and fruits have fiber, so do supplements. But maybe could we more often than not try and choose the more whole food choice for that. Uh, Whole chicken breast or filet of fish that you get from the market versus chicken nuggets or fried fish sandwich. Uh, This versus that would be fresh berries with any meal or in a smoothie versus the gummy vitamin option. And uh, one other example that we talked about was a sweet baked potato instead of a bag of potato chips. Right. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people do a pretty good job of planning their protein. Um, It's the stuff that goes around that. And so you touched on a few of those, but a lot of parents might have, um, you know, baked French fries or Mm -hmm. they might air fry their French fries or whatever. And so that's where you could substitute, um, you know, a baked potato, sweet potato, Mm -hmm. something like that. You know, the we have a lot of success with the um, bag vegetables. Yes, um, we do yes, too. Yes, they cost more money, but again, uh, Hy-Vee does a really good job on their shorts section mm-hmm. where they have everything pre-cut, you know, pre-prepared. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's more expensive, but mm-hmm. if you go back to the meal prep, which I know we're going to talk about, but um, just those simple things really help you um, better prepare and, and be more successful in that. So absolutely. And we, we love, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but we love the supplement aspect of it, you know? So if you like 
grains or something mm-hmm. like that, then substitute something else in there. If you like your, your carbs, you know, then try and substitute in a potato product as opposed to eating potato chips or something like that. Absolutely. So, it's a good one. Um, number four, eat when hungry, stop when full. Absolutely. Intentional eating, uh, which doesn't always happen if you are, like we talked about, sitting in front of a screen. And that seems to happen a lot. And I will actually pick on myself because, as you know, and a lot of uh, our members know, um, we have had a baby in the NICU for over three months now. And my lunch meal every day for those three months, I have been eating in the family area alone and looking at my phone. <laughs> I don't know that I am eating to excess or not eating enough. I, I eat slowly and I stop when I'm full. But I think more often than not, we'd like to promote eating intentionally. Eat when you feel hungry, stop when you feel full. If you, if you can, not be in front of a screen. So that allows you to manage that better. Yep. Are the... Um you know, for us in the for us in the work environment in an office that works around a desk, mm-hmm. then a lot of times we get the boredom. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's you know ten o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the afternoon, you just kind of get to the point where you're like, I'm just tired of working. I just yeah. want to do something. Yeah. So we always talk about getting up and maybe doing a lap around the office mm-hmm. or going doing something else. But a lot of people always result to. I'll go to the commons area, maybe get something to drink, which is most likely a soda. Right. And then I'll get a bag of chips or I'll get something like that. Mm-hmm. And so that eating is not because they are hungry. They are eating because they are bored. Absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of that big element there. It uh, is. And it takes going back to what we talked about before, which is just evaluating what what's actually going on so that you can make changes. You're, you, that person might be day-to-day saying to themselves, I don't feel that great. There's something going on and I'm not sure what it is. But if you can evaluate your day's behavior, if you're specifically looking at your eating and drinking and you pinpoint that one, that's an easy one to change. Isn't it in one of the podca- uh, Ben Bergeron podcasts that he talks about going to brush your teeth? Yep. When you feel bored yep. and you know that you're not hungry and you need something, just go brush your teeth. It's a good way to freshen up and get on your way yep. and not consume the thing that you know you it's a, perhaps shouldn't. Yeah, it's a great way to end the meal. Yeah, um, definitely. And I notice with kids, with my kids especially, that as soon as meal's over, then they immediately go to their dessert. Mm-hmm. And... You know, just and it's not because they're hungry that we just ate dinner. They're just mm-hmm. sh- craving that sugar mm-hmm. or wanting to do something there. So mm-hmm. it's always that uh, kind of the habit. And then once they get that thing set, then they go crazy with it. So, mm-hmm. and I think the other good on the eating when hungry, stop when full that Ben also talks about in his podcast is um, basically just to keep all your food to a plate. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. And there's really no reason to, you know, fill your plate twice because that's going to you're most likely going to intake more food than you need. Now, maybe Mm -hmm. if you're a a superstar athlete that uh, (laughs) consumes a lot and works out a lot, but that's not most of us. Um, So the buffet is out, you're saying? Yes, the buffet (laughs) should always be out. Um, But the other other thing about that too is, is I think we consume more than we really need. And I think people Mm -hmm. would be surprised about how much they actually really Mm -hmm. need. And I think the sticking to one plate or one trip uh, to whatever you're Mm -hmm. eating is, is always a good rule. I do have an interesting point to make on that. Uh, The most recent member to approach me at the gym uh, 
actually is under consuming calories by a lot, under consuming by 1500 calories or so. Wow. So sometimes people hear and read things and numbers stick in your head, like 1200 calorie diet. That's like the diet amount of calories I should be consuming. And so uh, it is possible to underconsume and not be aware of that as well and to have to make those changes, which I think are potentially just as hard yeah. as learning how to not overconsume. Yeah. What do you mean I have to try and get another thousand calories of food in a day? It right. seems really hard or it seems too much or how can I do that? So I'm just on the opposite end of the spectrum. I wanted to point that out. Yeah. No, that is interesting. I'd like to hear from that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and learn how to underconsume. Yeah. <laughs> Um, number five is eat together. And I like mm. this one, so mm-hmm. I'll let you. Yeah, this is, this is probably my favorite one just from a personal standpoint, because I eat with my kids every morning and make a best effort to, although it's difficult with a blended family and, you know, being at the gym, right? We are open for evening hours and I am sometimes there. However, um, if you have a, a friend or a partner, spouse, kids eating together when you can, is such an incredible bonding experience. You can include the, the kids or, or your friend, partner from the very beginning of the, the meal all the way through the cleaning up process if that's something that you want to do. Although I think that can be pretty stressful with you know, yep. kids, but it definitely is a good learning experience. Um, it provides a great opportunity for people to talk and you know, in the morning we prep ourselves for the day and what's going to happen that day or in the evening wind down from the day's activities. Um, we teach them manners or reinforce healthy eating habits. And, and I think even body image stuff, not that we necessarily talk about it at the dinner table. I just think that because we're eating together and eating 80, 20, mostly healthy foods, right? Yep. That we are reinforcing good habits and potentially down the road, good body image or self-esteem. Yeah. And I think, um, I like this one a lot. We do this, um, pretty well, um, and this definitely comes in. So the meals that we know we're going to eat together mm-hmm. is definitely the meals that are very prepped and planned. Sure. Um, obviously they're, you know, the better meals of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do the same. So if Jack has basketball practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we know that that is a quicker meal that we're most mm-hmm. likely not going to eat together, but we try to be diligent about planning a quick sandwich or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, if you eat together, number one, you talk. Absolutely. Which is great. Um, you'll tend to eat a little bit slower. Yes. And then obviously just the family aspect of getting your kids together and, mm-hmm. and talking about things. Uh, yes. We do a thing called high-low uh, where we go around the table and each person has to talk about their high point of the day and their low point of the day. Mm-hmm. Something my wife uh, started in college or they, they did in college. and. Yeah kept through and so it's a good way to get the kids talking because most likely they don't Mm -hmm. want to talk about school so you know what and I have found so we it's I think every family does a version of this or should we do the 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 thorn the rose and the bud and you can do them in any order and it does take some thinking about but it's like the low point the high point and then what you're looking forward to and if you feel like you're getting no response from your kids or potentially your partner when you ask how was your day yeah don't ask anymore and just do something like this at a meal and then you find out yeah yeah, yeah uh, I know that we will eat whenever I usually come home from the gym so I typically go to the 5 15 p.m mm-hmm. so I've worked all day gone worked out and then I get home and it's like kind of the last thing I want to do is 
talk. I'm not yes. really in that mode to talk yes. yet. I'm still yeah, processing. That's a good point. <laughs> but uh, it's a good way to kind of, you know, start. Wrap it up. Yeah. Or, yeah, absolutely. Or even start the next day. Yeah. So I like that. I've, I've not heard of that one. Um, number six, so I found this one interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote down food isn't good or bad, but you were talking about the language used around food. And so yes, th- this is a mindset one and, uh, it's, it's a very, it's probably the hardest habit to try and integrate. And even during the course of this podcast, we perhaps have said good, bad, and better in terms of talking about food, right. And the quality of it. But I, I would like people that it, there's a, a specific way that talking about this good and bad food, food isn't necessarily good or bad, and neither are you. And to watch how you language talking about food. Um, So food, like we said, can be low or high quality, and you can make choices to eat those higher or lower quality foods or beverages. But when you say something like, I need to get this workout in because I'm going to be bad tonight and eat a burrito and a Coke or, or whatever it is. I, I, my reward, I'm rewarding myself with because I did my workout. Um, a little kids, you know, please make mommy happy. You'll make mommy so happy if you eat these carrots. Yep. Um, what Tying was food one? directly to a uh, a behavior yes. or a reward type thing. Yes, yes, and this is something that you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, where p- people sometimes have problems with rewarding themselves with food or eating food out of depression. Yep. So it's all it's all all of that is n- negative energy surrounding your food experience, and we would hope that. We could choose to rise above that and create a positive experience, positive languaging around food and your behavior because you don't need to exercise to eat food. They are separate things. You're choosing to exercise and in the way that you exercise. You talked about your wife doing pure bar this morning and and my husband going to do a CrossFit workout. You're choosing to do the exercise that you want to and you're also choosing the food and they're not related, right? We should be eating the food because... This is what we need to do to sustain. Right. And we're doing the exercise because this is also what we need to do to sustain, but different things. So, yeah. And you know, the other, I like that a lot. And I think maybe the other thing is just to not make such a big deal about all the meals, you know, Mm. and just over sensationalize that Mm. aspect of it. Yes. Food is fun to eat. Obviously in America, we like to talk about it and we like to eat our food, but I know, you know, the, the text string for this weekend's chiefs game was, you know, hey, we're going to watch a Chiefs game together. Yes. And then it immediately goes to what food are we all bringing? Right? Totally. And then it's like <laughs> cheese dip. Yes. Somebody's bringing <laughs> cheese dip, you know. Yes. And so it's it's kind of that context. And so maybe not get so excited about the food uh, aspect of it and just maybe look at it as a, a necessity. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. gets excited about drinking water, right? <laughs> True. But we all do it and we all True. consume water every day. But yeah. no one's like... I can't wait to go home tonight and drink that glass of water. I mean, it it never happens. No, that's true. I will give you one silly example that we do at the house sometimes, and this is only over winter break because the kids get 
fun gum in their stockings from Santa. And so they want a piece of gum basically every day or every, you know, three hours or whatever. And I say, you have to drink a whole glass of water and then you can have a piece of gum. (laughs) So I suppose they're excited in that moment to drink a whole glass of water. Probably chugging it. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Number seven is uh, eat more fiber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we that's already, a good one. Yes, it is. We already touched on that one, and and I wrote this one down. It's such an overplayed thing that people say, but it is true that that uh, in the United States we are low in our fiber intake. I think I read a stat that said something like fifteen grams or below is what the average American consumes, and uh, it's twenty five minimum for women and thirty eight for men grams of fiber. And so that seems pretty daunting, right? If we're not even consuming half the amount of fiber that we should be, which causes a host of problems, particularly with digestion. And uh, so uh, getting back to that eating more vegetables and fruit conversation, that's where you can tackle that, getting more fiber in. And again, going back to that conversation that you and I had a couple weeks ago, where you said you were trying to just eat an additional fruit and or vegetable potentially with every meal mm-hmm. and that could do it right there it, as simple as that and it doesn't have to be like this en- enormous portion right it's just something simple if you're going to do a portion of peppers with your eggs and protein in the morning or you choose to midday have an apple with some nut butter on it just simple small things throughout the day that can help you achieve a higher level of fiber in your diet overall. Yeah. I think fiber is important for, you know, you mentioned digestive and, you know, for several of us that maybe have some digestive issues, it's definitely important to always eat more fiber. And, and that's really probably a a product of the diet, i.e. processed foods versus Mm -hmm. non. So if you're going to focus more on pre-prepped, pre-prepared processed foods, then they're going to cook or take all the fiber essentially out of that. Absolutely. Another good one that we do at home, hummus and chips versus hummus and vegetables, right? Tomato wedges, sliced carrots. That's an easy substitute. And if you feel like, well, I have a really great high quality chip, throw that in there, but make it an an also chips, also vegetables with your hummus or whatever it is. Right. So for the Chiefs game this weekend, bring your hummus platter and we'll we'll see who eats it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then the last uh, principles for better nutrition is uh, meal plan or prep for success. Absolutely. And and you you do this and you've talked to me about when you do it, you notice the difference. Yeah. And it doesn't go without um, sacrifice. There is a sacrifice of your time to do that. But I think, um, and I'll touch on, because it's related to what you said about the the shortcuts at Hy-Vee mm-hmm. being more expensive. I think, yes, those absolutely, if you know, if you absolutely know for a fact that you don't have the time to do it, then you should be prepared to spend the extra money right. to get those. Same vegetables that you want, wash them, cut them up. You know, let's just call it for two or three days to start with. It's not that much time. Yep. It's And it gets easier the more that you do it. So the right. first... I definitely remember the first weeks that Stephen and I started food prepping or, or putting a casserole together or a crock pot meal. Yep. It definitely took longer, but it gets easier the more that you do it. And you definitely notice the benefits of it immediately. It is immediate. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, what Nick and I have talked about several times um, is 
if you do not plan for a meal mm-hmm. and you get home from work on a Tuesday at five thirty, six o'clock, mm-hmm. and you think that you're going to break out the onions, the peppers and all that stuff, slice it all up, cook it, all that <laughs> stuff. It's just, there's no way that's going to happen. And so that's where you have to go into that and know mm-hmm. that you are going to eat something on Tuesday. And if you prep for it in advance, then that's great. But at least mm-hmm. know that you're going to be, you need this extra time. Mm-hmm. So you might pick an, a night where you don't have kids activities, you know, Wednesday mm-hmm. night might be calmer around your house. And, um, you know, there, there you can actually do all the prep, but if you still want to eat the, you know, the chicken casserole on Tuesday, but you don't have the time to prep for it, well then buy the shorts from Hy-Vee mm-hmm. and yes, it is more expensive, but it's, you're going to notice it in your budget from a grocery tab. But if you don't do that and you go out and eat, eat out, well, definitely. then you're going to notice the uptick there. So, mm-hmm. That's um, true. you know, it's always cheaper to eat at home and you're always going to eat a little bit better eating at home, but if if you don't have the prep style of it, then you're going to eat at home, but probably eat more crap. And Absolutely, that's, and that's kind of the trick. Who's the uh, guy that you follow, Jocko? Jocko Willink. Yep. What's his tagline? Fr- uh, discipline equals freedom? freedom. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that's that's this right. Meal prepping is discipline equals freedom. Yep. And uh, taking the time to do it on the weekend versus on a Tuesday night when you're tired, it's more likely to happen. You'll be disciplined over the weekend or whenever works for you to meal prep. Uh, And then you'll feel the freedom of it during the week for sure. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's fantastic to, um, you know, meal prep and again, using the bag substances, you know, we do the bag broccoli, we do the Mm -hmm. bag green beans. And so, you know, the protein, we usually do pork or chicken. Mm-hmm. And then if we marinate that, then we'll marinate the night before. But, you know, you come home from work, you throw it in the oven for 40 mm-hmm. minutes, and then the other stuff comes together pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but try and stay away from, you know, the canned green beans or, you know, the other canned substances if possible. Mm-hmm. But um, We buy a lot of frozen, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just... Um, so every Sunday night we kind of do that before my wife goes to the grocery store. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, Monday three, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. we're going to eat. And then the other one that you mentioned too is, is the crock pot meal, um, love it. <laughs> which is huge. Um, you know, the Instapots are becoming more popular for quick mm-hmm. defrost and quick cook. Mm-hmm. But you know, if your schedule doesn't allow on Thursday because you have kid activities, you have church class or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're not going to eat till seven, Well, that's a great opportunity to do a crock pot meal, Mm -hmm. you know, soup, something Mm -hmm. like that, or uh, some sort of chicken tacos or whatever might Mm -hmm. be something that could cook all day long. So, Absolutely. And it lasts. And I know some people aren't leftover meal people, but maybe you could try and become one. Yeah. And, and love that crock pot meal. That's the, uh, that's the next level stuff right yeah. there. <laughs> I am not that person, but my wife is. So. All right. Well, anything else to kind of wrap it up? I don't think so. I hope those are just a few good examples. I mean, there's, there's so many, right? There's so, so many. And, and some of them are very detailed and some of them are really simple. But just a good, a good set of simple principles for, for better Better languaging around nutrition, better behavior around nutrition. Yeah, I hope so. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, This conversation is very good. So as you listen to the podcast, please feel free to talk to the coaches about it. Let them know that you heard it. 
share your ideas with us. Uh, you can also email them to podcast at kcicrossfit.com and help us really talk more about nutrition in the upcoming episodes. It's very tricky to talk about nutrition, so we really want to hear from the community on maybe the specifics that we can expand upon uh, because it's definitely easy to go down a rabbit hole. So please uh, let Nick or Christine know, you know, what you're thinking about from a nutritional aspect of it, and we'll carry it over to the podcast. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.